The evil that men do lands on. We gonna bang your head! You are now listening to the Music Mania podcast, a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal. And now here are your hosts, the twins of chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana. Red light. Green light, TNT. This is the Music Media Podcast. I'm Clint Schweitzer, joined by Paul Lagana. Joining me here in the studio. And Paul, do we have a guest for you today? Steve Whiteman from Kicks will be joining us to talk about one of our favorite bands from the 80s. Kicks, it's the Midnight Dynamite. It's Blow My Fuse. Welcome to the Music Media Podcast, Paul. So great to be here. So great to have such a great guest on today. Absolutely, Clint. Blow My Fuse, again, one of my all-time favorite songs, one of my all-time favorite albums, and we're going to ask Steve Whiteman all about it. We had Brian Damage Forsyth before him. Now we get Stephen Whiteman. Clint, I am in hog heaven, buddy. This is great. This is what, what the momentum we've been on to, to have these great guests joining us. It is wonderful to have it because we love talking about our favorite bands, our favorite you know albums and songs with the, music, the musicians themselves. That's what we do here on the Music Mania Podcast. Be sure that you uh, hit us up on social media. Uh, Music Mania Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, all the above. Our website, musicmaniapodcast.com. Guys, it has all our shows archived. Anything you want to know about us, our pictures. In case anyone's just wondering if we have voices for radio only, you can check out our pictures. Uh, well, we definitely the- <laughs> have faces for radio. So. Oh, that that's that's encouraging, right? That's probably why we're here, isn't it? Not in front of a camera. That's I guess right. I guess uh, we have to come to terms with that sometime. Right. But uh, Steve Whiteman going to be joining us coming up here. Uh, like you said, we've had Brian Damage Forsyth on. Love that interview to talk about one of our favorite bands. I just kicks from. They just had something different. They were an East Coast band that never really, you know, blew up like a lot of the others. They were from Baltimore, Maryland. They played the clubs relentlessly. They got. They finally got the mainstream success uh, around '85 and then '88, big time with "Blow My Fuse." Like you talked about that album, and now here they are out there as busy as ever, playing a lot of these festivals, playing you know with a lot of their uh, peers from the '80s. It's great to see him, Steve Whiteman. Just what a great front man. I mean, he's underrated the way he moves on stage. His voice. He's a vocal coach in his spare time. We're going to ask him about that. Lizzie Hale was actually one of his students from Hailstorm, one of your favorite yeah, bands, we'll, I believe, we'll, right? crazy to think that but yeah absolutely yeah so we are absolutely so fortunate to be welcomed at this time by uh steve whiteman vocalist from kicks steve what's up man how's everything going it's a beautiful day here i was just nice in in kansas city because it's it's magnificent and like i said earlier i'm grunting a lot i'm not having animal sex (laughs) (laughs) well uh you know that that's a concept that's just a bit foreign to us but you know not uh, you know you don't you don't knock it till you try it but i tell you what uh, we, we've incurred some thunderstorms and some tornadic activity here in the Midwest, Steve. I know that's not something you guys deal with on the East Coast, and you know that's something you guys have over us for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It's beautiful here. That's great. Well, I mean, Steve, let's talk about this because Kicks is a band. You guys are as in demand and as busy now as you've ever been, which is crazy. But you're getting ready to resume your summer tour again here on uh, June the fourth. You got some big festivals coming up. You just did M3. How does it feel? Is it just got to be a, a extremely reflective for you to look back and say, "My gosh, here we are in 2016, and we're as busy as ever." It's, it, it is surreal. I mean, it's something that we did never expect to happen. We were we thought the fort was in and we were done until around 2000, 2000, 
2008 is when it really picked up. Uh, we started doing some local shows around 2004, 2005. It was basically just just the Baltimore, Washington, you know, the, the real comfort zone area. And then uh, out of the blue, I got a call from an agent who, who begged me to give him an opportunity to book this band. He said, I, I can get this band working again. And I just laughed at him. And it took him a couple of days to convince me that this is something that I would I would like to do, and uh, the guy's name is Solomon Big, he's for Big Time Entertainment, and he just, little by little, just kept getting us festivals and more shows every year and every year, to the point now where we're doing probably 50 shows a year. Which is incredible. You guys are, uh, I mean, you, but, but your reputation is where that comes from. You guys had a reputation uh, all the way back from the late 70s, all the way through the 80s, of being a hardworking band from the East Coast. You guys uh, played, you know, just gutted it out in clubs uh, on the East Coast and around Baltimore and in the Northeast for so many years. And then you got you gained success uh, in the 80s. And now here you are able to go out and do that. I mean, you guys uh, just did M3, which is a hometown show for you guys. I mean, how crazy is it to stand on that stage at M3 in front of so many of your peers and to know that you're one of the most in-demand bands there as a Baltimore band. It's hard for us to look at it like that just because we did, uh, we were at it for so long and, and, you know, we were given small opportunities like uh, after the Blue Month Views album came out to open it for bands like Rat, White Snake, and Great White and Tesla. I mean, we got our, you know, we got our feet wet, but we never really got to the point where we headlined an arena and, um, you know, getting up in front of that crowd but it's, we know that it's a hometown crowd, the only venue in the country where we would we would headline over a lot of the bands, and they all get it, and they all they're very graceful about it. Say we understand this is kicks country. So, but you know, to get up in front of that crowd and have, have that kind of reception, and it's it's as much for the people too because they're as proud of us as much as we love them. So it's like a it's a give and take thing. Well, I think you guys were reforming in the early 2000s and uh, is a, a very important to the legacy of the band, a band that has so much wide respect. Uh, you, you don't get lumped into the category of the Poisons when people start making fun of bands uh, from that era. You guys do not get lumped into that category because you guys were so hard working, so in your face. The sound was so sonically, you know, in your face, kind of, you know, an ACDC-esque, and I know you've heard that a lot. But, I mean, you guys, how important was it? You, two years ago, you released uh, the Rock Your Face Off album, which garners, garnished a lot of critical and fan acclaim. How important was that album for you guys, and when can we expect some more Kicks music in the future? That album just kind of came out as a fluke. We um, we did a live DVD uh, CD thing in Baltimore about four or five years ago, and it was on Frontiers Records. And they, in order for them to distribute it, uh, asked intern for a new studio album. And we were like, what? Why would anybody want to hear a new studio album? Because, you know, we, we just thought everybody just loved hearing the old stuff. That's what's all over XM. That's, that's, that's all they really know, and that's all that's getting played. So uh, it, it got the juices flowing, and we, we thought, uh, why not? I think uh, the, the loyal fans that have been with us for over 30 years might deserve some new music. So we started to put our, our heads together, and we started stockpiling a bunch of music. And then it really got going when we got Taylor Rose involved. Once Taylor committed, started going through the material that, that we that we submitted, and we did some pre-production with him, and that's when it all really fell into place, and that's when we thought, you know, we've got some good stuff here. And uh, with Taylor on board and everybody just collaborating together for the first time ever, usually it was just Donnie Purnell writing everything and telling us how to, how to do it. So this was the first time that it was liberating for us to, to actually be able to sit down and tear a song apart as a group, as a band, and put it back together. And 
it was, it was a lot of fun, and when it came out, we had no idea what people would think because everybody was used to hearing Donnie's music. So it was, um, it was, it was a little nerving, but um, everything turned out great because, it, yeah, the critics seemed to like it, people seemed to like it, and uh, I see no reason why we shouldn't do it again. No doubt about it. Hey, Steve, uh, I want to go back a little bit uh, with the history of the band because uh, when Cool Kids came out back in 83, uh, it climbed to about 177 on the Billboard chart. So you guys were just about, not quite there, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, when actually you guys thought, well, you know what, you know, we're going to get uh, Midnight Dynamite going and we're really going get to get into the mainstream. So talk a little bit about that. Snake Tour and 
So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, they had no insight whatsoever. Atlantic Records sucked for our entire career. We never made a cent from them. I hate them. <laughs> I'm gonna, wow, that is awesome to, to hear kind of that candor because, um, you know, you think about the evolution of a band and, and those kind of inside stories, and like that's unbelievable. Uh, because then Blow My Fuse was so big, and so. But Don't Close Your Eyes was a different kind of ballad, Steve. Like, that was not uh, a typical love song ballad. That was a song, an anti suicide song. And, um, do you, I mean, that that's what I think sets it apart from. You, everything you did set yourselves apart from every band of that era, but that really did. And it was a huge smash, but it wasn't a typical love song. I mean, that's crazy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't your typical hair ballad, I guess is what they called it back then. Um, so I don't think this band ever was really understood by the public. I mean, even even with the success of Blow My Views, we still got very minimal airplay. Um, it, it was it was the live show that carried us. That's what carried us for 18 years. And and when the when the grunge music hit on from the from the West Coast or upper the upper West Coast, when that shit. Happened, it just flushed our whole genre of music out of the water. Right, and actually, uh, shit is a great word for that grunge music, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, let me ask you this because after uh, Blow My Fuse, uh, you did Hotwire. Um, actually, yeah. and you know, like you said, that basically went right in between, you know, when uh, the grunge started hitting. So, what what went into that record, and, and were you thinking, uh, Well, thank goodness that career is still going today, Steve, because uh, you won't find two bigger fans of kicks here than Paul and myself. In fact, I know this is uh, the management side of things, not not your, uh, th- you talk about Solomon Big, your, your guy over there, that's who we need to get in contact with, but where there's rumors everywhere that, that Kansas City may get a kicks date here at some point this summer or fall. I hope it's true, because I would I'd love to see this band live. Yes. One, one, thing, one thing about Kansas City is that, that area is one of the biggest reasons that the record company really took notice of the Blue My Jews album because wow. it exploded in, in Kansas City. Had it not exploded, it always exploded in D.C. and Baltimore and New York and New Jersey. It always did well there, but it, when it was outside of the, of the zone that we had covered for years and it blew up in Kansas, that's when the record company went, ooh, I think we got something here. So we know you guys, too. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's wonderful because uh, Kansas City is a great rock town when we want to be, uh, and so it, we hope we can get, we hope we can get to see Kicks and catch up with you. But before I let you go, Steve, I think what one thing I just read about you recently, and I didn't know this, that you're actually a vocal coach, kind of in your spare time, and one of your pupils was actually Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. That's blowing my mind right now. Uh, 
I just got an email from Lizzie a couple days ago. <laughs> nice. She's wondering if I can give her a tune-up. And I said, any time, but it has to be over Skype. I said, yeah, I hate doing lessons over Skype. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, when kids decided to quit, I had to do something. And the only thing I knew how to do was sing and play in a band. So I thought, well, I can teach singing and I can start a new band. So I started Funny Money and played with that for another 15 years. And in the meantime, you know, Kicks was slowly starting to get back into action. So I continued to teach, and I continue to teach to this day. So whenever I have time to do it, I've got a nice uh, list of people who are waiting to get in to see me. And, of course, with Kicks being so busy, it's, it's a little harder for me now. But, yeah, I still do that. Well, one thing that's interesting about singing that's different, you can go and uh, Brian Forsyth could, for instance, teach me how to play guitar, or, uh, you know, Peter Chris or somebody could teach me how to play drums. Singing's different. It's almost like if you have it you or you don't, like Lizzie Hale walks in, she already has an amazing set of pipes, but Steve, if I walked in, you couldn't teach me anything because I have no vocal range or prowess, nothing. So that's got that's just what's different about vocals, isn't it? Not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, let's just say Paul and I have... <laughs> what God gave you and, and some people have extremely flexible vocal cords and some people don't. Um, the one thing that, that, that I teach everybody is proper breathing and working with scales and improving your pitch and it takes dedication. The way that I used to sit around and, and sing Beatles songs and Alice Cooper songs is that I just sang relentlessly. That's what it takes. It takes the same kind of energy it takes to play drums, guitar, piano. It's muscle memory and it's doing it again and again and again and again. And as I get those special people that, that really get it, like Lizzie. Lizzie was a, she was a teenager when she first came to me. And she, wow. she really didn't have, she didn't have a whole lot of power in her voice. She had a good voice, good, good flexible voice, but she didn't have the power. So that's what I worked with her on. And by the time I had her singing heart songs, I said, okay, you're ready. And Absolutely. Well, I, I'm not saying we're hopeless. I mean, Paul and I have been booed singing karaoke, some Tommy Two Tone at a karaoke bar one time. So I'm, I, I'm not saying we're completely hopeless. But uh, you know, maybe maybe under your guise, we could turn it around. But Steve, I cannot. We just cannot thank you enough for joining us today. I know you got a, you got uh, some stuff you're working on today, and we kept you already longer than we promised, which is usually what we do here. Don't tell anyone. And uh, so, but we, we can't wait to catch up, man. Hopefully, we get that Kansas City date done. I know you guys start up again June fourth. Go to kicksband.com to check out all the dates, guys. And Steve, we can't thank you enough. Let's catch up. Hopefully, get you to Kansas City, and we'll uh, we'll come say hello, my man. I know there's one uh, called The Scene here in Independence. It's already already posted on Facebook. They're trying to get you guys, so hopefully we make it happen. I hope so, too. Thanks a lot, Steve. Take care, man. Appreciate it, Steve. Right, You're very welcome. Thank you. We can't thank Steve Whiteman again enough for joining us. Uh, what a guy, Clint. I mean, unbelievable candid as heck and uh, just a great guy he says there's still hope for us as singers if we want to maybe t take some of his vocal lessons he says you know right. that my attitude's bad yeah you know even though we struck out that time we were singing karaoke uh tommy two-tone eight six seven five three oh nine in he hasn't Mil heard milwaukee yet, he hasn't so. heard that we were cricketed there was just crickets no no cheering or booing <laughs> just the dead sound of silence it was unbelievable so, you know but uh, we thought we were good Everyone does. I think when you're singing karaoke and you've had several drinks, I guess that's the point of karaoke, and that's why we were. Uh, that's why we're 
Uh, still doing this, still talking to the musicians and not musicians ourselves, and that's A-OK by me, guys. We cannot thank you enough for listening. We love having you on board. We love the interaction. Hit us up, Facebook, Twitter. We love hearing from you guys, man. You have an idea for a guest you want us to bring on? Let us know. We'll, we'll get in contact with them. We love to talk to these guys. That's what we love to do here, Paul. Absolutely, Clinton. Uh, again, uh, we can't thank everybody enough for joining us. And just let us know how we're doing. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, obviously. Just hit us up. Let us know. You know, Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. We really want to know how we're doing. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you joining us here on the Music Media Podcast. For Clint Schweitzer, Paul Agana, we are signing out. We will catch you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Later.